Warning, although this podcast revolves around Disney, Disney movies, and Disney-related themes, we have a tendency to use mature language, which is not suitable for all ages. Discretion is advised. Welcome, friends. It's another edition of the Ocho and Ortiz Disney Podcast. And on this episode, we are discussing a Disney holiday classic. We are discussing the 1994 Tim Allen film, The Santa Claus. Without further ado, let's get this stuff started. Buddy Josh, how is it going? It's going, Dave. It's a going. What's going on? Not too much on my end. Not too much at all. See, as I said off the top, we are doing a Christmas movie this week, and I know you're not the biggest Christmas fan, and I was going to just do this episode with our buddy Savage Steve from Stogie Mania. But you, you, and I was going to give you Christmas off so you didn't have to watch Christmas movies, but you did say that you would watch it because you still want to be a part of the show. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, wh- why are we not doing a, a, a Disney trip thing since I'm back? Well, I, never, I didn't even think about that. Well, the reason we aren't doing that is because I already planned episodes ahead of time before you went away, and I had in mind that you weren't going to be doing the Christmas episodes, so I planned out Christmas episodes that I was going to do with Steve, and that's why we're not doing a a Disney trip episode, because I was expecting to be doing this episode with Steve and <laughs> doing the December episodes with Steve. <laughs> I feel I feel like that needs to happen a trip report episode uh, episode soon. I mean maybe maybe it will. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Fair. But yeah, you you did you did recently come back from a trip to Disney World. You were almost at the end of your 2 weeks of mandatory quarantine. Yep. We are recording this on November 12th. I'm assuming you had a good time on the trip. Oh, fucking hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Disney is awesome. Universal was fantastic. Like, I tell you, man, all the reports of feeling more safe at those theme parks and at your local grocery store are 100% correct. Because, like, nobody, like, I think only one day was it, like, super packed. And it was mostly, I don't even remember where it was, but, like, people, sometimes, everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask. It was barely down. I, again, barely any people behind me, beside me, anything like I was just walking out in plain sight. It was awesome. So that was great. And I got to go on the new Star Wars ride, which was fucking fantastic. Might be my new favorite ride of all time. Yeah. No, I just I love Disney. It was awesome. And Universal, too. I got to go on the, the Hagrid's ride there, which is insane, which one thing that's really cool about going on the Hagrid's ride there was I don't know if you saw this, but Timmy Britt, who you interviewed a, a while ago. Yeah, he did. He, he was part of. He, I guess him and his team painted a, a mural for the Harry Potter, for the Hagrid's ride. Mm-hmm. And I remember him posting something about that. And I saw that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then when I went on the ride, I went on it like four times while I was there. And I, <laughs> every time that I went past that mural on the ride, I was like, holy shit, that's where Timmy and his team painted. 
So I remember seeing that and even like commenting on that post that he put up about it. Like I was just on this ride and I remember you posting this picture, which was pretty cool. And speaking of Timmy Britt, I did want to shout him out this week because he is currently working on a project called The Walls of Love. It's himself and a group of artists from all over the world. I think they're working in Dallas, Texas right now. And it's just one giant mural of different cities from around the world. They've done Italy, they've done China, Britain, all sorts of things. It's coming along nicely. He posts updates every day on his Instagram. So you can follow him on Instagram at Timmy Brit Studios. And you can see all the fine work that he's doing. Having said that, it does cost money to bring these artists in from all over the world. It costs money for the supplies. So there is a GoFundMe to, to help with the completion of this project. So if you guys go to GoFundMe.com slash walls-of-love, you can help support Timmy Britt and this, this fantastic project. If the link doesn't work, just go to GoFundMe.com and search for Walls of Love and you should be able to find it. I donated 40 bucks to it. Our friends over at, at Dude's Dish Disney Podcast, they've donated quite a bit to it. I mean, I'm not going to say the amount, but I was blown away with how much those guys were able to donate. So big ups to our friends over at Dude's Dish, Dude's Dish Disney as well. And again, if you guys are able to help support Timmy in that project, please, please do so. Speaking of, you know, your trip and things that have happened since we last recorded. Again, we are recording this on November 12th. Our last episode, Cool Run-Ins, which we, I mean, it hasn't released as of this recording. It's going to be releasing in a couple days. It'll come out on November 15th. But we recorded that about a month ago at this point, a month and a half ago. We recorded that back in early October. And since we recorded that, the new season of Mandalorian has started. Josh, are you, ha have you watched the first two episodes of season two of Mandalorian? Oh, yeah, I'm all caught up on that. You know, it's funny because I think you watched the first episode before me, mostly because when it came out, I wasn't still in Florida. And I was trying to get as much American Netflix as I could, <laughs> as I could. So uh, I, I had the first episode downloaded as soon as it came out. And then, but what I did was I was watching Charmed from, from, <laughs> that's on American Netflix. Like, like not even the old Charm, but the new Charm, because I just, I hadn't finished it or caught up. So I watched like the whole two seasons of that they had on there. And even then, whatever I didn't fin whatever I didn't catch up on, I downloaded it. And when I came back home and I was still in the quarantine, I, I had I was watching it on my phone still, so but I am caught up now. I am caught up now and I watched those two. And I'm not gonna lie, the first at the end of the first episode, it took me a good like five minutes to realize who the fuck that was. <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie. I was just watching like We're not gonna spoil anything for people that haven't seen it yet. Oh fuck what do we spoiler alert, okay? Like we're not we're gonna in, spoil no, it. No, no, no. We're in December. By by the time this episode comes November out, November thirtieth. By the time this episode it, comes okay, out, whatever that that episode have been out for a whole fucking month. If you haven't watched it, the fuck's wrong with you? Okay. Anyways, I watching. I'm like, who the fuck is this motherfucker? Am I supposed to know who the fuck this is? And then I rewatch it. I'm like, who the fuck is it? And then I realize, oh shit, it's fucking, or at least we think it's, right. Well, that's that's what we're that's what we're led to believe. But yeah, episode three comes out tomorrow. Again, we're recording this on November twelfth. November thirteenth, episode three is going to release. 
So I'm interested in seeing how episode three goes, but I'm absolutely loving this season so far. Yeah, so, and I mean, while we're on the topic of things that have happened since we last recorded, on our last recording, we mentioned that we had a t-shirt shop up, but we weren't sure if it was actually still going to be up or not, because while we were recording that episode, the t-shirt shop had been pulled down, but everything's okay, it's back up, so we actually have two places now where you can get Ocho and Ortiz Disney Podcast merchandise, if you're able to, and if you would like to help support the show. So the first one, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod, or you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash Ocho dash and dash Ortiz. And from now until October, sorry, from now until December the 19th, I can't remember if it's the 18th or 19th. If you guys use the promo code BIRTHDAY at checkout, you will save 20% off of your purchase. And that is because both Josh and I have birthdays coming up in December. So in honor of that, we're giving a discount on our Teespring store. Unfortunately, with Spreadshirt, we don't have a say in the discounts. All the discounts and stuff that's done through Spreadshirt is done by them directly. We have a little bit more control over doing our own promotions and stuff on Teespring. So like I said, from now until December 18th or 19th, I'll have to double check. If you use the promo code BIRTHDAY at checkout, you guys will save 20% off of your order. Again, go to teespring.com slash stores slash ocho dash and dash or tease having said that just very quickly promos as to where you can find us you can find us on most major podcasts and platforms stitcher spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, tune in and our main source of uploading is podbean ocho and or tease disney pod dot podbean dot com you can find us on social medias facebook.com slash ocho and or tease disney pod Instagram at Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod or Twitter at Ocho Ortiz Disney. And of course, if you want to become our patron on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. You can become our patron for as little as a dollar. We do want to thank the executive producer of this episode, our sole patron so far, William L., William, we thank you and we appreciate your continued patronage and support of the show. So if you guys want to get a shout out on the show like William, go check out our Patreon page, see the different tiers, and help support us if you like the show and if you're able to do so. If not, just share the show, recommend the show, and share it on social medias. Let people know where they can find us. Now, having said that, the last couple of episodes we've gone like 15-20 minutes before we actually got into the actual episode. Not today. We're going to get into it right now. Like I said, right off the top, we are talking about the 1994 Tim Allen holiday classic, The Santa Claus. Josh, I know you're a huge fan of Christmas movies. I know you were probably excited when you saw that I announced we were doing The Santa Claus. I hate you so much sometimes, Dave. Hey, hey, like I said at the beginning of the show, I gave you an opportunity. I was going to do these episodes with our buddy Savage Steve from Stogie Mania. I was going to give you an out. I was going to let you not do Christmas movies, but you you still want it to be in. So you're in. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm in. Yeah, I said I wanted to be in. 
And so here, when you're regretting you say, that a little bit right now, huh? Are you regretting that a little bit right now? No, I mean, uh, what? We're just talking about it. We're not. I'm not watching it anymore. That's why, like you said, you watched it three times over the last week. I've watched it once. I was gonna watch it a second time, and I just, I let me tell you what I fin- Okay, here's the thing. It's a classic, and I remember growing up watching that movie. Right? I've watched it hundreds of times, probably when I was a kid and stuff. So I love the movie. It's just Christmas is different for me now. So when trying to watch it after after I finished watching, I'm like, I need to go watch some Halloween movie or something like that. Halloween Town. Just because, like, I don't know, kind of balances it out. I, I think I ended up watching Happy Death Day. Just to, I don't know. It was fine. It was good. It's what I remembered. Well, I ended up watching it three times because I kept trying to take notes. But like I like I said to you off air, like, I've I've just been so busy lately at work and I've I've had first aid training uh, uh, this week so I just I ha- I was trying to take notes but I just every time I watched it I didn't have the energy to take the notes so I just watched it a couple times to try to make sure things were ingrained in my head so I can remember so I have maybe I do have some some talking points of notes for like the first maybe 20 minutes of the film. And then after that, I'm just going to wing it. So we will see how this goes. Yeah, no, I've I've been so busy as well. You know, I'm just crazy packed at home right now. Yeah, it's it's that time of year, which is why I just that's why we we aren't going to just choose episodes back and forth like we normally do. I just selected what our next couple of episodes are going to be till the end of the year and that is what we're rolling with. And so the episode starts or sorry, the movie starts off with Scott Calvin played by Tim Allen at his company office Christmas party. Oh, and by the way, before I continue, I just do want to apologize that there is no video podcast again. I keep having issues every time. Every time I go to start recording for the video podcast, everything just freezes on me and shuts down. I've got in contact with XSplit because they're the company whose software I use. I was also trying OBS and I was having trouble with it on OBS as well with the freezing and everything. Long story short, my computer processor sucks and it's not good enough to to to, to host a, a video podcast. So I'm going to have to up, upgrade my computer with a better processor for, for video recording at some point. But long story short, that's why there's no video podcast. But back to the movie, like I said... It starts with Scott Scott Calvin played by Tim Allen at his company Christmas party and Scott is getting recognized as being part of the team that helped to market the hottest selling Christmas toy of the season and the toy is called the Do It All For You Dolly. We don't really get too much information on it other than its name. So Scott gives comes up and gives a speech with the female partner that he had been working with on this project. And we then cut to a scene after the Christmas party of Scott driving home and he's calling his his he's calling Laura, who we find out later is his ex-wife. And he's leaving her a voice message saying that he's going to be late meeting up with her. And he even lies and says that the roads are busy with traffic and that there's like a pile, a three car pile up. And that's why he's he's running late. Even though when you go to a wide shot and you see him driving along the highway, it's absolutely clear and his is the only car on the road. We then see Laura and her new husband, Neil, dropping Laura and Scott's son, Charlie, off at Scott's. And so 
we see them waiting there for Scott before he actually gets home. And then once he pulls into his driveway or whatever, Laura leaves the car with Charlie to, to walk Charlie to Scott's house. Scott invites Laura in for a bit. And Scott finds out that, that Laura's new husband, or I don't know if they're married at that time, if they're just dating, but Laura's, Laura's new boyfriend or, or husband, whatever he happens to be, Neil, played by the incomparable Judge Reinhold. I love Judge Reinhold. Most people will know him from the Beverly Hills Cop series. Fantastic. I fucking love him. But so Laura Laura and Scott are talking and Scott finds out that Neil has told Charlie that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. And Scott's kind of pissed off about this and he's like, well, why wasn't I consulted on when we were going to tell our son that there is no Santa Claus? Because, you know, Charlie is still a kid. He's like eight or nine years old. And Scott still wants him to hold on to the wonder and belief of Santa Claus for a couple years more. He's not ready for Charlie to grow up yet and, and be told that there is no Santa Claus. This leads to a huge fight between Scott and Laura. And then Laura eventually leaves and meets up with Neil in the car. And they drive off. And then it's just Scott and Charlie. And Scott tries to convince Charlie that there is still a Santa Claus. We then see a close-up shot of a nice Christmas dinner laid out on the table, and as the camera pans back and out, we see that it's just the TV, and Scott has burned the Christmas dinner that he's cooking. In fact, if I remember correctly, it's actually still catching on fire in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, do it does catch on fire again because he has to pull out the... He pulls, fire extinguisher. Yeah, he pulls out the fire extinguisher, pulls it out, and if I remember correctly, even after he puts it out, it catches on fire again. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, so Christmas dinner is completely ruined. And so Scott decides that they're going to go out and find a restaurant to eat at for dinner. And a lot of the places that they try at first are closed. And they finally settle on Denny's because as Scott says in the movie, Denny's is always open. What's what's hilarious about this is, well, what are uh, it's funny to me. So <laughs> my friend, her her cousin works at Denny's. And so because I am in quarantine, my friend went and picked up Denny's for me the other day. <laughs> and, and like she'll bring it to my house and just leave it outside my door. Right. Which is pretty funny. So like the day I got back, she did that. And then the day that I was watching that movie, she was supposed to go and pick it up again. And then she just she couldn't. But it was so funny. Cause so when I was as I'm watching the movie at the beginning, when I see that, I text her. And I was like, yo. I'm watching Santa Claus for the review. Guess what they're eating? She's like, what, Mike Denny? She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> but it was funny. It was funny because like, I was supposed to see Denny's that day. Which reminds me of the message. She'll pick me up some Denny's tomorrow. <laughs> it was really funny. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a little, little tantrum I had to go on there. No, I liked it. It's a great story. Yeah, I, I know with Christmas movies, you're probably not going to have a lot to say because I know how you feel about Christmas. But whenever you do feel like jumping in, feel free to do so. Sounds legit, buddy Dave. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm also watching a small video right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just so it's it's a little thing of Universal Studios. They, they open this thing called a tribute store every year. And it's just it's just like a little shop. Right. Yeah. And. They've always opened. It's all. It, they only usually open it in for the, for the Halloween, right? It's the tribute store, and this year was the first year where they did like four different rooms. Usually, well, I think the first year was like one one room, then it gradually went to two, and then the third one, no, four. It was four this year actually. It was four rooms this year, and it was just huge. And 
now it's they've transformed it into the first ever Christmas tribute store. So I was watching how like the walkthrough of it. I was like, uh, I'm kind of glad I left. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. So, yeah. So they're at Denny's and at Denny's, there's a mix. <laughs> so like half of De- Denny's is filled with like a Chinese business meeting, business party of some sort. Yep. And then the other half is filled with other single fathers with their kids that have burned Christmas dinner. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the 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 they walk in and the waitress is like, "Are you part of the whatever Asian last name is?" Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, "No." He's like, "She's like, all right, follow me." So as <laughs> as he's sitting, as they sit down, Scott starts starts looking around and he sees it's all dads with their sons or yep. or their or their their child. And yeah, he's like, "Burnt, burnt the dinner too, right?" Yeah. <laughs> And you see one guy raises his hand, and it's, like, all bandaged up. <laughs> yes, 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 he did. That's hilarious. And then they're they're going to order, and, like, everything is unavailable. So, like, the waitress asks Scott if he wants, if he wants a cup of coffee. He's like, no, let's have, a, let's have a Christmas classic. Like, let's have a nice, cold, refreshing glass of eggnog. And she's like, we're all out. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'll have a coffee decaf. And then Charlie's like, I'll have a chocolate milk. And she's like, oh, we're all out of chocolate. And then he's like so sad and reject. And just the line read on this, like my impression isn't going to do it justice. But the line read of Charlie, he's like, plain milk's fine. (laughs) He's he's like just so sad and depressed about it. so defeated. (laughs) That's what he is. He's defeated. He's he's because let's be realistic. The kid doesn't even want to be at his dad's in the first place. Yeah. So he doesn't want to be with his dad. And then when his dad fucks up dinner, he's like, they go out for dinner again. He doesn't want to go out for dinner. He just wants to go home to his mom and Neil. And you know everything's just not going his favor. So he's just when he says plain milk is fine, he's just defeated. Yep. That is the best way to to that. That that that's the best way to describe it. One hundred defeated. One hundred percent. And then again, like. After the waitress takes their orders and she's walking away, Scott says, well, at least we know that they have warm apple pie for dessert. And she's like, we did. So they're they're out of apple pie, too. So they have, like, nothing in stock at this Denny's. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, like, it's Christmas Eve, is it not? Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Man, what if you're going to go to Denny's at, like, late night? Christmas Eve, they, they're definitely going to be out of food. Like, the fuck? Yep. And so, we then cut to a scene of Scott and Charlie back at home, and Scott is reading Charlie a bedtime story. He's reading them Twas the Night Before Christmas, and he thinks Charlie has fallen asleep, so he walks out and turns off the light, but Charlie wakes back up, and Charlie starts asking him about a, a bunch of questions, starts with, what's that mean? Like, referring to a rose such a clatter which charlie misheard as a rose such a ladder so scott's trying to explain it to him and again they're still having that discussion about whether or not santa claus is real and if and charlie asks if if asks his dad if he believes in santa and his dad's like of course i believe in santa and he's like now go to sleep so he turns off the lights goes to sleep and then we get a shot of Scott in his bedroom. He's going to sleep too. And somewhere around here, I, I can't remember if it's before, I can't remember if it's as Scott is going to sleep or 
or when Charlie wakes him up, but there's the sound of the TV in the background, and it's it's playing an ad for, you know, that time of year TV stations play Christmas movies. So they advertise the upcoming Christmas movies for the week and everything. So on the TV in the background, it's advertising A Miracle on 34th Street, the, the 1947 version. Which is, which I found funny because, like I said, we're recording this on November 12th. Yesterday, November 11th, marked the 26th anniversary of the release of the Santa Claus. It came out on November 11th, 1994. Now, there's two well-known Miracle on 34th Street. There's the original version, which was done, I believe, in 1947. And then there was the updated colorized version with Richard Attenborough remade in 1994 and it actually released in theaters the week after Santa Claus. So Santa Claus released November 11th, 2000 or sorry, November 11th, 1994 and Miracle on 34th Street the remake released on November 18th. 1994. So I just thought it was funny that they threw that little that little ad for the original Miracle on 34th Street in in the in the movie. I don't know if they knew that the remake was being made at the time or not, but I I just found that a, a funny coincidence. But anyways, Charlie Charlie wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears something on the roof. He hears noises. So he goes he goes to Scott's room and wakes Scott up. And Scott's like, "Charlie, what are you doing up? Go back to sleep." And Charlie's like, Dad, Dad, it's a clatter, a clatter, I heard it. And Scott's like, what are you talking about? He's like, a clatter on the roof, like the story. So Scott stops for a minute and listens, and he hears it too. He's like, yeah, there is, there is something coming from the roof. So he tells Charlie to stay in the house, and then Scott walks outside, and at this point he's basically just wearing his boxers and a t-shirt, and he just grabs his coat, and he puts a coat on over his t-shirt. And he's standing outside, and he looks up on the roof, and he sees somebody on the roof, and he's not sure who it is at first, so he just screams, hey, hey, you, and that catches the person off guard, and he's like, whoa, and then he ends up, (laughs) the guy ends up falling off the roof, it ends up being Santa Claus, he falls off the roof, and... I mean, dies. And it's like the most, it's like the weakest death of all time. Like, I know this is a, is a family friendly movie and, and a Christmas movie. And it's supposed to be overall a cheerful mood. But I mean, the plot of the story does revolve around Santa Claus being killed by Scott, essentially. But this is such a weak death because not only does he fall from the roof, which is what, probably 10, maybe 15 feet off the ground most? Yeah, something like that. It's it's not really high off the ground. It, like, it's a survivable fall. Like, you're probably going to break some bones or, or something. Like, there's going to be yeah, injuries. like a broken leg. Yeah, you're going to have injuries. But it wasn't that big of a fall. On top of that... The guy falls in a huge pile of snow, so that breaks his landing as well, but somehow he dies from this. Well, you know, apparently Santa Claus is a little bitch. <laughs> or maybe Santa wanted an out. Maybe he willed himself to die because he didn't want to be Santa anymore. That's that's uh, that's a possibility as well, you know? <laughs> I would do the same thing. Yeah, but that's because you're a bastard. I thought you were going to call me a Grinch, but okay, yeah, that works too. 
But so Charlie comes running out of the house and he's like, it's Santa, it's Santa. And Scott's like, Charlie, I told you to stay in the house. And then Charlie looks at the body of Santa and he's like, you killed him. And Scott's like, I didn't kill him. He's fine. So Scott tries to wake him up. He's like, buddy, are you okay? And Scott's like, uh, Scott tries to find his ID to identify the guy. And he can't find anything except a card. And I forget exactly what it says, but it ends with something along the lines of, if something happens to me, put on the suit, the reindeer will know what to do. And then you hear more noise on the roof, and Scott looks up, and there's a bunch of reindeer on his roof. And so Scott keeps looking for more ID to see if he can find out who this guy really is, because he refuses to believe that it's actually Santa Claus. And then Charlie wanders towards the house, and all of a sudden, a, a ladder appears out of nowhere. So Charlie climbs up the ladder. He's like, Dad, look, it's a ladder. Like in the story, it's a ladder. And then we look we, we look at the ladder, and it says, A Rose Such a Clatter Company. And it's, oh, it's so corny. I'm sorry. I, I hated that part. Like, they, they really stretched it out, too, the way, the way they spelled it. Like, I... I can't explain properly on an audio podcast how, how they how they spelled it, but like it's so poorly spelled as well, just to try to make the joke work, and it fails so miserably. I actually legitimately hated this part of the movie. <laughs> but any but anyways, so Charlie wants to climb up, and Scott's like, "No, Charlie, don't climb up the ladder." Of course, Charlie climbs up anyways because you know he's a kid and he's gonna do what he wants to do. So they see all the reindeer, and Scott eventually climbs up after Charlie, and Charlie is in the sled at this point, and Scott's still trying to figure everything out, not really believing what's going on. And at one point, the lead reindeer, which we find out is Comet, is giving Scott, like, attitude, and Scott's like, you know, I don't need this from you, Rudolph. And, you know, that pisses off Comet, and Comet basically, like, motions to Scott to look at the name tag on uh, on his side, which says Comet on it. There's, like, name tags on the rope that are attached to the to the reindeer as they pull the sleigh. So it says, the name tag says Comet, he's like, sorry, Comet. And this ends up being hilarious. It, you know, at the time, if you're watching the movie for the first time and you haven't seen the franchise, like... This means nothing. But once you actually see the second movie and how much attitude Comet has in the second movie, this actually does such a good job of setting up Comet for the for the future of the series. So I, I really did enjoy seeing that with fresh eyes because it's been so long since I've watched the first Santa Claus because by far my favorite in the series is Santa Claus 2. That's one that I watch every single year. San- the first Santa Claus... I'll watch every couple of years, but it's not one that I watch every year. And then Santa Claus 3 was an abomination that we won't get into at this juncture. But anyways, so Scott's still walking around, checking out the sleigh and everything. And Charlie's like, Charlie's trying to convince him to get into the into the Santa suit. And, and Scott is being reluctant. And Charlie's like, "We, ne- you never do what I want to do. Uh, again, sounding so dejected and, and defeated and just pissed off. And so Scott reluctantly gets into the Santa suit and sits in the sleigh with Charlie. And he's like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And Charlie's like, deliver the presents. He's like, 
how am I supposed to deliver the presents? He grabs the he grabs the bag and there's like nothing in there uh, at first. And then as if magic, suddenly the sack becomes the the Santa sack becomes full with presents. And he still doesn't know like how to get the reindeer moving and everything, right? And at the same time, he's also trying to convince Charlie to get out of the sleigh. So he's like, Charlie, let's get out of the sleigh. He's and Charlie's like, no. And Char and Scott's like, let's go. And then as soon as he says that, the reindeer take off to the next house. So Scott reluctantly decides he's gonna deliver the presents. But he doesn't know how he's gonna get down the chimney. And all of a sudden, the the bag sort of uses the magic to lift Scott up and sort of fly him over the house the house's chimney. And the chimney is very thin and narrow. And Scott's like, there's no way I'm going to fit down there. And then all of a sudden, you see the chimney just expand, and Scott gets sucked down. And, you know, looking at it now, the special effects are not the greatest. But, I mean, for 1994, they were pretty good special effects. But you can definitely tell how far along special effects have come in the last 26 years. But, yeah, like I, like I said, watching them in... It, watching this in 2020, you can definitely tell how aged the special effects are. Having said that, they were still better than the special effects used in Halloween Town four years later, which there was no excuse why Halloween Town was using special effects so bad. <laughs> again, again, Dave, this movie was a theatrical release. No, where, no, there's, yes. there is no excuse. The special effects, the makeup, the costume design in Halloween Town was horrid, fantastic. horrible, and there was no excuse for it being that bad. It's fantastic. There was no excuse. You know what, you no, hey. no. Star Trek in the 1960s had better special effects than Halloween Town. There was no yeah, excuse for a movie, whether it was a theatrical release or a made-for-TV movie, in 1998 to be that bad. Star Trek, by the way, from back when, whenever the fuck you just said it was, is trash. It is phenomenal. You're just not a man of culture. No, 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 I, no, no, I no, like... no, 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 no. You don't enjoy storytelling. You enjoy shitty fucking things that blow up all the time with no fucking logic behind them, like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek series. No, you don't like nuanced storytelling. No, that's that's not what you're about. You're about the explosions, the bright lights, and the shittiness of directors like J.J. Abrams. Anyways, <laughs> the J.J. Abrams, I only saw the first two. Those are pretty good. <coughs> Those are shit. I know there's a... I know there's a third one at some point. I don't even They're know. all shit. No, they're Yeah, not. 100%. He doesn't even have any originality. He tries to redo stories that were already told in Star Trek, but he does them poorly, he does them worse, and he he just completely destroys the fucking franchise. No. Yes. That's a lie. No, it's 100% facts. Give me one. Just because sec. just because you don't know what the difference between actually good and actually shitty is <laughs> no yes no yes no okay yes. hold up hold up hold up so anyways scott scott is delivering the presents and as he's delivering the presents he gets attacked by a dog i think it's a doberman and so just before the dog reaches him to bite him the he he empties the sack and the sack pulls him back up out of the chimney 
and he's back in the sleigh. And Charlie wants to go to the next Okay. House. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to get back into that in a second. Hold up. Halloween Town's budget was fucking $4 million. And they acted like it was 12 And Santa Claus's was $100 million. Fuck out of here. Yeah, $4 million is still enough to be better than what it was. No. Yes. No. Yes. They... Halloween Town is trash. It's horrible. And everyone that's told me that they enjoy that movie, I stand by the fact that that movie is shit. It is trash. Absolutely is, not. I don't. I don't classic. know how that's. I do not know how that's considered a Halloween classic because there's no excuse for that movie being that bad in that time frame. Even with four million dollars as their budget, they could have done a lot better than what they did. That movie's classic. No, it's classic. not. No, it's not. Anyways, Scott and and Charlie move on to the next house, and this house actually doesn't have a chimney. And Scott's like, well, how am I supposed to get down there without a chimney? And again, magically, one appears, and then it expands to create a fireplace within the house where normally it would just be a flat wall. And this time, as he's putting the presents away, there's a little girl that's sleeping by, is sleeping by the Christmas tree. And she wakes up, and she starts asking Scott a bunch of questions and he's kind of frustrated and angry, so he's given him, he's given her short, snappy responses, and eventually he says, go back to sleep, or you're not going to get this doll, so she, she, go, she goes back to sleep, and he p- finishes putting the presents under the tree, and he's about to leave and go back up the chimney, and she's like, you didn't eat the milk and cookies, and he's like, well, I'm trying to watch my weight this year, so no saturated fat, and I'm lactose intolerant. So he he leaves without drinking the milk and cookies and he kind of mocks her as he's leaving. You got to drink the milk and cookies. And so he pops back up the chimney and goes back to the sled with with Charlie. And Charlie's like, how did you get down there? He's like, I don't know. It was just like out of it was like magic out of nowhere. The chimney appeared. So they finish. They decide that they're going to deliver the rest of the presents. So. We see like a bunch of footage of them flying around, delivering presents, and flying past a truck driver. I think it was like a, a mail truck, and you know the driver sees them drive by them on the sleigh or fly by them on the sleigh, and he does like a double take. Eventually, they drive deliver all the presents, and Scott's like, "All right, let's go home." And you see them fly off into the night. And then the next scene is them landing in this place that looks like the Arctic. It's just cold. It's snow. And and Scott yells at the reindeer, does this look like home to you? And Charlie's like, where are we, Dad? And Scott's like, I I have no idea. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes an elf, which at the time, they don't know it's an elf, but it's an elf. And then a pole comes up out of the snow, and Charlie's like, I think it's the North Pole, Dad. And and Scott's like, no, don't don't be silly. This isn't the North Pole. All of a sudden, the reindeer sort of disappear. And Scott and Charlie are lowered into like this underground place. And it ends up being Santa's workshop. And Santa's trying to figure out what's going on. And of course, the elves are scrambling around trying to get everything cleared up because it was Christmas Eve. So now they're trying to get the big... They're trying to tidy everything up and and start prepping for next year. And Scott uh, ends up talking to one of the elves 
And he's like, who's in charge around here? And the elf's like, you are. And he's like, no, 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 who's your boss? And she's like, you are. He's like, no, who's the head elf? And she's like, you are. And then we meet Bernard, who is like the second in command to Santa. And he comes up and he's like, are we on a coffee break? And the elf is like, I don't drink coffee. And Bernard's like, well, then I guess the break's over. Get back to work. And so Scott's trying to figure out what's going on from Bernard. And Bernard's like, hey, Santa, nice to meet you. I'm Bernard. He's like, I'm not Santa. And so Bernard explains what happened. He's like, the guy fell off. The other Santa fell off your roof, right? And he's like, wait a minute. That's that's not my fault. I have homeowner's insurance. And he's like, listen, when you put on the suit, you you read the card. And Scott's like, yeah. He's like, so you saw the clause. And Scott's like, what are you talking about? He's like, the clause, the Santa clause. And Scott's like, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? And, and Bernard's like, no, 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 no. Not Santa Claus, the person. Santa Claus, as in like the last line of a contract. So he takes the card, puts it under a microscope, and has Scott reread it. And basically it says that by putting on the suit, the wearer of the suit assumes full responsibilities of being Santa Claus. Scott still doesn't want to believe it, but Bernard's like, try to understand, we need a Santa Claus. It's not my job to be Santa Claus and deliver presents. That's your job. And so they go back and forth, and eventually Charlie comes into the picture. And Bernard's like, who's this? And Scott's like, it's my son, Charlie. So Charlie and Bernard talk for a bit, and Bernard ends up giving him a snow globe. And then Bernard passes Scott off to another elf named Judy to show Scott to his his room and to, like, basically, like, get him accustomed to the workshop and everything. So him and Judy are talking for a bit, and we find out Judy is, like, what, 1,200 years old, 1,500 years old, something like that. Anyway, she's really, really old. And as we'll find out, as Scott will bring up later, Judy was also the name of the waitress at the Denny's. So we get this scene of, we get these scenes of Scott in the workshop, still not believing he's Santa Claus, and the elves basically working and preparing him as if he is the Santa, well, because he is the Santa Claus, even if he, even if he doesn't want to believe it. And then we also have Charlie trying to say, like, how cool this is and trying to, like, get his dad into being Santa Claus. Anyways, they eventually go to sleep and they end up waking up back in Scott's house. And Scott thinks it's all just a dream, but Charlie remembers it vividly. So when Laura and Neil come back to pick up Charlie on Christmas morning... Charlie's going on about how great the visit to Santa's workshop was, and he's explaining everything to to his mom and Neil. And they're looking concerned because they want to try to wean Charlie out of believing in Santa Claus. And now they think that Scott is responsible for putting more tomfoolery and nonsense into Charlie's head to get him to continue to believe in Santa Claus. So they take Charlie and everything, and then all of a sudden we see... Scott, we see a series of shots of Scott starting to gain weight, and he goes back to work after after the Christmas holidays, and he's put on, like, all of this weight, and he tries to play it off as if he was stung by a bee and he's having an allergic reaction, but when he goes to his first meeting, his first work meeting, 
<laughs> they're ordering lunch, and he just orders, like, a bunch of fucking, like, junk food, like, cake, cookies, chocolate fudge sundae, and he's just pounding that shit back. And then while the meeting's happening, they're trying to come up with ideas for, like, what the next hot toy is going to be for the next Christmas season, because he works at a he works at a toy company, obviously. And so basically the toy is going to be something like Santa in a tank. And Scott starts to take offense to this because he's starting to become more and more like Santa Claus, even if he's still trying to fight it mentally, like physically and emotionally and everything. He's he's becoming more and more like Santa. So he gets offended by the idea of Santa in in a in a tank and you know he he, he goes on he he starts like a whole argument about it eventually his boss played by Peter Boyle who was in Everybody Loves Raymond and would go on to have another appearance in the Santa Claus 2 he pulls him outside and is like Scott like you're obviously not yourself take some time off get yourself right and then, you know, come back. So we then see Scott going to the doctor, explaining the weight gain and the beard. He, he, he tells the doctor that, you know, he'll shave in the morning and then by noon he's got like this full grown beard. And the doctor's like doing like a regular checkup and he's like, everything seems fine. You seem as healthy as ever. So I don't really have an explanation for you. So we go from that and then... wait. Was that when he uh, checked his his heart and his the heartbeat was like jingle bells or something like that? Yeah, or yeah. Or I just think about something different. Nope, nope. That was it. <laughs> I remember that. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Jingle bell or jingle bell rock. One one of the two. Yeah, it was one of them. So yeah. So and in the meantime, we're seeing Charlie with with Laura and Neil, and obviously because of the whole what happened on Christmas Eve. Now he's all about Santa Claus and, you know, he's pretending he's in the North Pole. His room is the North Pole and he set it. He's he set up his room as if he's driving a, a, a sleigh and he like all he can talk about is being at the North Pole and everything. So Neil and Laura are getting more and more concerned and they're they want Scott to talk to him about it to, to try to get Charlie to, to break out of it. Which Scott does, and Scott and Charlie go on a long walk. They walk through, I, I'm guessing it was supposed to be Central Park. I'm not entirely sure. And as they're walking and Scott's talking to Charlie, you see that they're being followed by a bunch of reindeer. Because obviously the reindeer is following Santa. But mm-hmm. again, the talk does no good. Charlie is still going on and on about Scott being Santa Claus. We then get a scene where it's like parent career day at Charlie's school. And so Neil and Scott are both there to talk about their jobs. And Charlie's Charlie tells Neil that he wants to introduce Scott first. And so he brings up his dad, Scott, and he starts going on about how his dad is Santa Claus. And that obviously causes the other kids to laugh because no one believes his dad's Santa Claus. So Scott sort of interrupts Charlie's like, what Charlie means to say is that I'm like Santa Claus. I I make toys, so it, it's it's like I'm Santa Claus. And then Charlie's like, no, we were at the North Pole and there were elves. And Scott's like, well, I, I have a lot of people that work under me who help me make the toys. So they're like they're like elves, and I'm like. So he's still trying to get Charlie to to get out of the whole him being Santa Claus thing. 
but Charlie's just not having it. So Scott and Laura basically decide that they're going to take Scott, or sorry, not Scott and Laura, Neil and Laura decide that they're going to take Scott's visitation rights away, which to me is like bullshit. Oh, before they decide that, there's also a scene of Scott watching Charlie at a soccer game. And this little girl comes up to uh, up to Scott while he's sitting on a bench, and she starts telling him what he wants for what she wants for Christmas. And then when Laura gets there to 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 pick up Charlie and and watch Charlie at the game, she sees a bunch of kids lined up telling telling Scott what they want for Christmas. So this is the thing that sort of sets them over the edge and decides that they don't want Scott to have visitation rights for Charlie. Yeah. And so they end up going to like a family court and Scott Scott's running late and he gets there. He's like, I want to speak to Charlie. And Lauren was like, well, he's already in there talking to the judge. And Charlie comes out all excited and everything. He's like, Dad, Dad, I fixed it. Don't worry. I told them everything. I told them about how you were Santa. And and we went to the and obviously there's a concerned look on Scott's face. And then Scott, Laura, and Neil are all in the judge's chambers, and the judge rules that, you know, he's going to rule in favor of Laura and Neil and take Scott's visitation's rights away, and that they would reconvene in the new year to see if anything's changed, to see if Scott can get his visitation rights back. But again, this is all fucking bullshit in my opinion. Because Scott has done everything in his power to try to get Charlie to to stop talking about the North Pole and about him being Santa. He was doing everything Neil and Laura was were asking of him. It's not like he was filling Charlie's head with ideas. He was really trying to talk Charlie out of it, and he still lost visitation rights. That's that's fucking bullshit. So, anyways. But yeah, I can't I can't remember if it happened before or after Scott lost the visitation rights, but at one point in the movie, you see a delivery guy knock on Scott's door. He's like, "I got a pack I got packages here or I got a delivery here for Scott Calvin." He's like, "I'm Scott Calvin." He's like, "Where do you want me to leave the packages?" And Scott's like, "Packages?" He's like, "Just he, he so he opens the door. He's like, "Just leave them inside." And then Scott goes up to I guess shave and brush his teeth or whatever. And as Scott's coming back down after shaving, it's just his room is just full of boxes. So he opens one of the boxes and it's a list of names. And he's looking through the names and he runs out of the house as like 12 Federal Express trucks are like run are driving away. So obviously it's the naughty nice list being dropped off. Fuck, I'm trying to remember what happens from there. I'm also trying to sort of rush through things because we're at 57 minutes right now. So I'm probably going to skip over a lot just to try to wrap things up quickly. But okay, so after the FedEx thing, I think Scott gets another visit from Bernard telling him it's time to come back to the North Pole. I think so. I'm just, yeah, this is where I'm, this is where I'm lost trying to remember everything and wish I had, wish I had have been able to take all the notes that I wanted to. But yeah, it starts getting closer and closer to Christmas and Scott, I think it's finally come to terms that he is Santa Claus, but he's also lost his son. So, so yeah, so he's, he's being Santa Claus and, oh, I know when Bernard, so Scott, it's like, 
So Scott, after he loses the visitation rights, is walking down the street where Neil and, and Laura's house is, and he sees the meat and dinner through the window. And then Scott knocks on the door, and he's like, "Can I come in for a minute?" And Neil's trying to block his way through, and Neil, or sorry, Neil's trying to block his way through, but Scott still manages to get through anyways. He's like, "I just want to talk to Charlie for a minute. I'm not here to cause any trouble." So. He's talking to Charlie, and then Neil and Laura leave the room for a few minutes. And while while Scott is talking to Charlie, that's when Bernard shows up. And uh, Charlie's like, can I come with you, Dad? And, and Bernard's like, I don't see why not. So then all of a sudden, Laura walks back into the room, and everyone's gone. There's no Charlie, no Bernard, no Scott. So she calls the police to let them know that Scott's kidnapped Charlie. And in the meantime, we get a montage of like of the police, like just looking for every single Santa Claus. Like they're they're any sort of mall Santa Claus or like Santa Claus on the street. They're like stopping them and like beating them up and arresting them. And between the montage of the cops looking for Santa, there's also a montage of Charlie, Bernard, and Scott in Santa's workshop, and they're trying to make improvements on on the on the suit. Like making it flame retardant, making it resistant to dog attacks. And Scott keeps going on because Scott's worried that he's going to fall off the roof and end up like the Santa Claus from the previous year. And he keeps asking them, What about if I fall off a roof? And no one's giving him a straight answer. So, <laughs> so that there's that huge montage there. And eventually, Charlie calls calls his mom to let him know that he's okay. And the cops are trying to chase the trace the call. And Laura's trying to keep Charlie talking, but Charlie eventually hangs up and the police are unable to to trace the call. And so we see Scott and and Charlie go to the sleigh to start delivering the presents. But before they do, Comet has a present for, for Scott and it's a rope. And Scott's like, is this a rope for if I fall off the roof? And so you sort of see the bond start to form between him and, him and Comet. So they're delivering presents. And one of the houses that we see them stop at is the girl from the previous year that that Scott was kind of rude to. And she's sleeping on the on the couch again by the Christmas tree. And she wakes up when he comes down and she's like, you've put on weight and you grew a beard. And he's a lot nicer to to her this time. And as as he's leaving, he goes to drink the milk. He's like, ah, oh, this is awful. What is it? And yeah, yeah, she yeah, he, he says to her, "Oh, you're I think the milk's gone sour." Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "I for, I forget. I forget what kind of milk it is, but she, soy. Soy milk." Yeah, she's like, "It's soy milk because you're lactose and you said you were lactose intolerant." He's like, "I did say that, and you remembered." So he, he you know, he's a lot nicer to her this time. He finishes the the milk, he tells her to go back to sleep, and then goes up the chimney again, and he's back in the sleigh with Charlie. Charlie's like, can we stop at mom and Neil's house? And Scott's like, sure. So Scott goes down to to deliver the presents and the cops are already in the house. So they bust in on him and they arrest Santa. And you see them carrying Santa, er, like dragging Santa out of the house in handcuffs with like a large group of people watching, including kids. And like, I think even one, one kid says, are they arresting Santa? <laughs> yeah, they say that, and then all you hear is, the, I, don't they all start saying, free, uh, let Santa go, let Santa go, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But oh, so, sorry, I got ahead of you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. I, 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 I forgot that part until you brought it up. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right on on that. But while they were still in the house, actually, the cops are trying to like ask Scott where where Charlie is, and he's like, he's up on the roof in the sled. And they obviously don't believe him because they still arrest him. And his his Santa hat gets left behind in the house. And the Santa mm-hmm. hat had been equipped by Julie, er, sorry Judy, with a two way radio, so Judy can keep in contact with him. And obviously, she's trying to contact him, and there's nothing there. And then Charlie contacts the North Pole from the sled to let them know what's going on. Yes. So we we get back to we go back to a shot of the of the workshop and we see bernard with another elf and the el- the other elf is like well i guess it's time to deploy elfs which is basically like the elf special task force team and in the meantime we also see the cops questioning scott in jail trying to figure out who he is they know who he is but they're trying to get scott to admit who he is and he just keeps referring to himself as santa claus in yeah, different- like chris kringle chris kringle father noel so he just keeps referring to himself as Santa Claus in, in different languages or different cultures, interpretations of Santa Claus. And he just won't say Scott Calvin. So they end up putting him in a cell. And then we see the ELFS tactical team get to the roof where Charlie is. And they're like, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, we're here to get your dad out of jail. He's like, we're we're never gonna get to him. There, there's cops surrounding the door. We'll ne- or the house. We'll never get out of the front door. And they're like, we're not. We weren't planning on walking out the front door. And then we see them like fly by on jetpacks. Yeah. And they they fly by a cop who does like a double take. And so they get to the they get to the police station. And there's a stereotypical fat cop at the desk eating a donut. And they're asking where Scott Calvin is, and he thinks that they're just a bunch of kids, and he's refusing to tell them anyways. And then he recognizes Charlie. He's like, you're the Calvin kid. And so he's like, he, he calls in for radio backup, He's and then he's like, the rest of you kids need to get out of here. And he's like, and, and the leader of the elf tactical team is like, oh, we're not kids. We're your worst nightmare. We're elves <laughs> with attitude. And then they wrap him up using a bunch of Christmas decorations like tinsel and stuff to the point where he can't move. And then they walk down. Elves with attitude. We're elves with attitude. (laughs) And so. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) And yet still better than Halloween Temp. So they walk down the, the, the jail block, the cell block, and they rescue Scott. They rescue Santa. And Scott, uh, they break him out using something, and Scott can't tell what it is. He's like, "What is that?" He's like, and, and the lead elf is like, "It's tinsel. It's you. It can be used for more than just decorations." And as they're walking away, you yell, you hear one of the other prisoners yell, "Hey, can I get some of that tinsel too?" And then they they continue. They they free Santa, and he continues on his way. And he he finally convinces Scott's finally able to convince Charlie like. Listen, you can't come with me anymore. You have to stay with your mom and Neil. So he drops him off at at Neil and Laura's house. And, like, they're obviously, like, mad at at Scott, but relieved relieved at the fact that Charlie's there. 
And in the background, you can hear the police sirens coming towards the house. And Scott's like, I don't have much time. And then he gives like this big speech about how he can't be selfish and, and take up all the time with Charlie. And that Neil and Laura need to spend time with Charlie as well. And then Charlie starts crying and he's like, well, I don't want to be selfish either. And Scott's like, well, you're the least selfish kid I know. You gave me the greatest gift. You believed that I was Santa when no one else did. And so eventually Bernard actually shows up and Neil is having a hard time believing everything is actually happening because Bernard's there as an elf. His elf ears are clearly visible. He also steals Neil's sandwich, which, which I find hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so so Bernard gives this big pep talk about how Santa has to go and, and get back to work. And Charlie's like, I'm going to miss you. And he gives his dad a big hug. And, and Bernard approaches Charlie. He's like, well, you don't have to miss him. Like, he's he's not gone forever. He's like, you, remember, you still have that snow globe I gave you, right? And Charlie's like, yeah. And then Bernard explained that if Char- if Charlie uses that snow globe, it's basically a way to, to contact his dad and to see him whenever he wants to. Yeah. So Laura eventually throws the custody, uh, tells Scott that she's going to give him an early Christmas present. And she throws the custody papers in, in, in the fireplace or the, the papers that said that Scott lost his visitation rights. She throws them into the fireplace, which isn't actually how things work. Legally, he still can't visit Charlie. <laughs> like just throwing the papers in there does nothing. They still have to go through that hearing in January. And then she has to tell the judge that she she's willing to have Scott get his visitation rights back. She can't just, like, fucking throw the documents in the fire. Because the courthouse still has copies of the documents, too. So, so yeah. Do, it doesn't really work like that, movie. But anyways, so she throws the she she throws the legal papers in, in the in the fire, and then Scott ends up walking out the door or going up the chimney, I guess, to the sleigh to to deliver more presents. And before he does, he gives present he gives early presents to Neil and Laura, and it's both presents that they wanted as kids but never got from Santa. And Neil's yep. is a weenie whistle, <laughs> the Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. Which just, oh, is that what it was? Yeah, which just, it it honestly fits any character that Judge Reinhold has ever played that I've seen him play in a movie. Like, that weenie whistle would go well with his character in, in Beverly Hills Cop 2. It just, it fits, it, it, it fits Judge Reinhold so well. But anyway, so Scott flies off, and then Charlie shakes the snow globe and calls him back. And, Char- and Scott's like, I gotta go, like, I gotta deliver all these presents. So they have one final moment together, and then Scott takes off, and yeah, that's pretty much the end of the movie. I know I missed a whole bunch of stuff. Sorry, I wasn't as prepared as I normally am when it's when it's my pick, so I do apologize for that, but I think we did a fairly decent job of running down that movie. Yeah, we, we, we definitely did. <laughs> Having said that, it is rating time. <laughs> And I already know you're rating this movie low. I know, I I know you're rating this movie low. So let me hear your shit rating. No, it's not low. It's a six. Wow, I'm I'm shocked you gave it a six. Okay, again, this movie is also like is 1994 when this movie came out. I was like four years old. I remember watching this movie as a kid. I loved it as a kid, right? So like, I'm not gonna shit on it like that much. Like, it's still a good movie. It's just. <sighs> 
it's just Christmas in general I don't like, right? Like, I have my own reasons. I don't like them, and I just don't deal with them. And so, like, I don't know. Again, it's my own thing. But, like, the movie's still good. It's a, it, I, I will watch this again over the shitty Muppets fucking movie we watched. The Muppets was fantastic. But, but for the first time in a long time, we agree on a rating. I, too, am also going to give this movie a six. I do I do love Christmas. I do I do love the holidays. I enjoy this movie, but I mean there is, there is a lot of there is a couple of scenes of cheesiness to it, like like that scene in, in, in the police station with the off talk tactical team and they're back and forth with the cop. There's a couple of cheesy lines in there. There's cheesy lines throughout the throughout the movie as well. The fact that she that Laura just throws the papers into the fire and acts as if that's going to give Scott his visitation rights back when legally it does fucking nothing because the court still has a copy of the documents too. So I mean, I I do enjoy this movie, but there is there is still enough wrong with it that I I, I would give it a 6. It's definitely not in my opinion the best movie of the franchise. It's not the worst movie in the franchise. That would that's reserved for Santa Claus 3. But anyone that says this is the best movie in the franchise is just fucking flat out wrong. I'm sorry, you're you're wrong. The best movie of, of the franchise, God willing, if we're still around next year, if the podcast is still around next year, we will discuss next year. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a this one a six as well. Alright. Wow. That is that a first? Not a first, oh. but it's definitely been a while since since we've had the same review. Although, I mean on our on our music episode, we did have a couple of songs that we rated the same, but I don't really count that because there were multiple things that we were viewing on on that one. But in terms of like reviewing movies, it's the first time in a long time where where we've given a movie this the exact same review. I think I think maybe Secretariat we gave the same was it Secretariat or National Treasure? I think it was one of those two that we gave the the same rating to. Maybe Hercules. Well, I think it's Hercules we did too. Okay, I was gonna say it's definitely gonna be one of those. It's definitely not gonna be a decom because I hold I hold those in such high regard, and you don't like those at all. No, no, I do not. No, I do not. And I still don't understand why our first ascent episode <laughs> is getting so many downloads. I, I I do have to thank everybody though because I didn't say it off the top, but as of this recording, we are currently sitting at nine hundred and forty nine total episode total downloads over 18 episodes and that just that completely blows my mind that we have that many downloads. Did you say downloads. 900? 949 downloads. Holy fuck, we're going to hit 1000 soon? We'll have 1000 by the time this episode comes out because Jesus like Christ. as we're recording this, we haven't even released our cool runnings episode yet. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll be we should be over 1000. Um, God damn. We also, wow, ah, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, everybody. I, I, I did not know that stat, to be honest. We're also at 425 total views on YouTube. A great part of that was helped by our our music episode. Like That got 60 views. That's our most viewed episode on YouTube, which is crazy because that one did so well right away on YouTube but it like didn't do so well on the on the downloads for the for the audio like as I'm recording this we're only at 25 right now 25 downloads for the audio portion and I mean like 
normally we would have had like 20 within the first couple of days and this one just for some reason people wanted to watch the YouTube portion of it rather than uh, rather than listen to the audio so but yeah I'm I'm blown away by all of our stats I appreciate everybody well we appreciate everybody who has taken the time to uh, download and listen or to view the episodes on YouTube we can't thank you guys enough. We've said it before. Like this started as something that we were just going to do short term to get us through the quarantine and we've just had such a blast doing it and I'm happy to see that a lot of people are enjoying listening to it. So hopefully we just continue to grow. Like I said, you can find us on most major podcasts and platforms. We are available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Tune in. We're supposed to be on Audible. We were approved for Audible, but I haven't been able to find us on there. And of course, our main source of uploading is Podbean, Ocho and Ortiz DisneyPod.podbean.com. And like I said off the top, our social medias, Facebook.com slash Ocho and Ortiz DisneyPod, Instagram at Ocho and Ortiz DisneyPod, Twitter at Ocho Ortiz Disney. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. Shout out again to our executive producer, William L. If anyone else out there would like to become our patron, we would greatly appreciate it. Obviously, times are tough and we know money is tight for a lot of people. So if you can't, you can't. But if you're able to share this podcast and recommend it to your friends, that's the way, best way to help us out for free. Finally, if you want to pick up some of our merch, there's two places you can go. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod or teespring.com slash stores slash Ocho dash and dash Ortiz. With Teespring, use promo code BIRTHDAY at the checkout from now until December 18th or 19th. Again, I forget which one. And save 20% off of your total purchase. With that, any final... Oh, and just a quick reminder, please go help support our friend Timmy Britt. Follow him on Instagram at Timmy Britt Studios. You can also find him on Facebook under Timmy Britt Studios. He does have a GoFundMe for the painting work that he's currently doing. You can find it at GoFundMe.com and just search for Walls of Love. Josh, any final words before we go this week? Sorry, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, that stat of almost a thousand downloads or listens, whatever, is just blowing my mind right now. It's crazy considering we just, again, we only started this, what, six, April. seven months ago? Yeah, just back in April. Yeah, so like this, to again, this is just supposed to be a short term thing, but to us, I think this is where we're going to be going from, from now on. And hey, man, we love doing this podcast. We love, Di- I especially love Disney. <laughs> And yeah, we'll be back again soon. Yeah, our next review is going to be another Christmas film, which I know Josh, you know, we've been over Josh doesn't like Christmas. We're going to be reviewing Noel. I haven't seen it before, but I picked it solely because of my love for Anna Kendrick. And she is in that movie. So we are going to watch and review Noel simply because I have a major crush on Anna Kendrick. Yeah, I mean, I love Anna Kendrick, too. So I'm I'm down for that. Having said that, guys, as always, whether you're listening to this in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, whatever time of day it is, where you are, when you're listening, we appreciate you listening. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Adios.